Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in High Fidelity. Welcome to the Along Came a Writer Network. Opinions expressed in our shows do not necessarily reflect those of the network. Welcome to Publishing Lane with your host, Margie Lane Klubine, Executive Director of Write Integrity Press. Hi, this is Publishing Lane, and I am Margie Lane Klubine. Um, I am with Write Integrity Press, and I am so glad that you all are here. We have an outstanding show for you tonight. I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah, I know I always say that, but tonight is really an outstanding show. I always love having the incomparable Faye Lamb on Publishing Lane. Now, she is a sought-after freelance editor in her own right, and she has insight and expertise to share with us tonight. But okay, but before I bring her on, I have got to share some other exciting news with you. I've got to share some news with you from my company, Right Integrity, because we have just opened a sweepstakes. We are hosting a sweepstakes that's going to last for the entire month until the end of September. We're giving away a Kindle Fire HD 8-inch tablet, one of the new ones, and it is stinking cute. In fact, my daughter has been coveting it. Yes, I'm telling tales. But she's like, are you sure we have to give this away? Okay, can we put this on my Christmas list? Because she really likes it. And it, I'm, it came in the mail a few, a few days ago, and I thought she was going to confiscate it before I could tuck it into my office. So I might get in trouble, too, for admitting the coveting that's going on. But I think there's a little of that going on. So I'm definitely going to end up putting this on her Christmas list. We have seven 17 amazing authors from Right Integrity Press. Yes, 17 of us. That's not all of our authors, but those are the ones that are all sponsoring this giveaway. And so in addition, okay, here's the biggie. In addition to the Kindle, I mean, the Kindle is already a super cool treat. We're also giving away a $100 Amazon gift card to help you load that Kindle with all of our books, hopefully. And technically, you can use the gift card on whatever you want, whatever your little heart desires, but we would love it if you would like to load up our books instead or with it or buy Christmas gifts. That'd be good, too. Buy another Kindle for somebody special for you. Um, we also have a few of our authors who are giving away other special gifts, and so I want to share you about that. Um, I'm actually giving away a packet of blue bonnet seeds. I know that sounds crazy, but I'm a Texas gal. And so I'm giving away a packet of blue bonnet seeds and then this cute little set of blue bonnet coasters. I just love that. Um, so I'm giving away that. And then Harriet Michael, she is the author of Prayer, It's Not About You. And she's given away a bottle of Henry Bain's sauce. Now, I have no idea what that is, but I'm told it is a Louisville tradition. And so I may have to do a little investigating into Henry Bain's sauce. Um, Deborah D. Harper, she is the author of Faux Pas and um, also Misstep, which is the um, the Roads in Mishap series. Um, she is the author of those two books, and she's giving away an Alaskan Ulu. I hope I'm saying that right. I have no idea. It's U-L-U, -U, and it's a cool-looking knife. 
I've, I've never, I mean, I've, I've never seen anything like it before. It's like a, it's like a kitchen type knife. Um, but she is from Alaska. And so that's what she's giving away, which is just so awesome. And then Marie Wells Kachu is giving away. Um, she has a unique inspirational magnet that I think, if I'm not mistaken, her daughter actually designed. Um, and then she also has a secret garden journal, which I got a glimpse of that one. And it's one of those color journals. And I'd really like to win that one. It's really cool. We have pictures of all of these things on our website, which is writeintegrity.com. Now the write is W-R-I-T-E because that's what we do. We write W-R-I-T-E, writeintegrity.com. Um, it's on the sweepstakes tab. So if you go to the sweepstakes tab, not only can you see the pictures of everything you're getting away, but you can enter. Yes. It goes directly to a raffle copter. This is totally random entry, Re directly to an raffle copter, and you can enter um, up six different ways. You can enter this con this contest. In fact, you can enter all six of them if you want to and get six entries, or actually seven, because one of the entries is worth two points, which is really cool. Um, also, I think. Some of the slideshow pictures will show some of the different things that we're giving away too. If you're looking, if you're online with us, then you'll be able to see some of the slideshow pictures. So make your way to our website and hit the sweepstakes button and enter, definitely enter. Uh, but that's not the only announcement I have. I mean, I know that one's a pretty big one. That one lasts, um, I believe it ends on September 26th or 27th, but I wouldn't wait till the 27th. I'd get your entry in right away. Just, just saying, so you don't forget about it. Um, but that's not the only thing, because starting in October, we're going to start sending out weekly newsletters, really, really short ones, but we want you to know what's on sale, because we're going to have a new book on sale every single week from the 1st of October until the 1st of August 2018. One book Every week, I think there's like two weeks that I didn't do it, which would be Christmas and New Year's. But um, one book every week. Oh, you know what? I think I didn't do one on April Fool's, too, just because I could. So one book every week, a new book, and we're going to get through all of our books from now until the 1st of August. And guess what? Not only can you get a chance to try new readers with Right Integrity, or new writers with Right Integrity Press, listen to some of the authors that maybe you haven't read, or read some of the authors that you haven't read, but you can collect whole series, which is not something you've been able to do before because we would only put, you know, the first book on or the second book on, but we wouldn't put all of the books on, certainly not the third or the fourth, but we are this time. So you're going to want to do this. These sales, they're only 99 cents a piece. So you can get a whole library at a buck a piece. That is just so cool. Who could do that? So these are all going to be ebooks. Um, so make sure you have an ebook writer reader. And if you don't have an ebook reader, by the way, you can download one of those from Amazon, and it's free. And it'll go on anything you're on. It'll go on your computer. It can go on your phone. It can go on your tablet. Whatever it is you're on listening to us right now, you can have a reader on that. Um, and they, like I said, they're free. There's nothing that – there's no strings attached, at least not as far as I've ever seen. And I have them on everything I have. Um, so anyway, you're going to want to make sure that you are on our newsletter list before all of that 
starts next month, so you won't miss a single book. Um, the first book that comes out, oh wait, I'm not even going to tell you because that author is an award-winning author and she's awesome and you're going to want to make sure that you get on our newsletter list so you can find out what book is on sale next month. Okay, I will tell you. Yeah, you twisted my arm. It is Elizabeth Noyce book. Um, I think it is Imperfect Wings that is on first because we're doing it first book and then we'll go through and have all of her books from that series in our sale that are already out this year um, in our sale. So it's her first book, Imperfect Wings, from the um, Imperfect series. And it's by Elizabeth Noyce, who is an award-winning author. And that one is going to be free the very first week in October. So you're going to want to join us and jump on it. Um, there's also, okay, I'm not done. I bet you thought I was. I have one other thing to share with you. Right now, today, you can go on Amazon and pre-order the, the um, ebook for Faye Lamb's latest. And this is the fourth book of her Amazing Grace series. This is the final book of her Amazing Grace series. We're completing a series next week when we release Frozen Notes. And you're going to want to go on Amazon and get that pre-order at 40% off. You can order it right now, 40% off for only $2.99. And enjoy that book. You'll be the first one to get it when it comes out next Tuesday. In fact, you'll probably get it next Monday because that's what I've noticed is that all the pre-orders end up coming out a day early. How's that for cool? So make sure you go on and get that. Is that not just a, a totally full, I wouldn't have even been able to do that on a commercial because there's just so much there and most of it is really low priced or free. So make sure you take advantage, but that's not all we're here about today. We are going to be talking publishing today in a huge way. Content editing, elements of a story, oh, we are totally packed today. In fact, we are so packed with information today that we have had to spread our our talk today. Faye is going to come back for the rest of the year. She's going to come back each month for the rest of the year. So she'll be back in October. She'll be back in November. She'll be back in December. All of us on all time on the first Tuesday of the month at 7 p.m. Central. Um, and we're going to continue talking about how you can polish those amazing manuscripts, those amazing stories that have come to you that you've written. Now it's time to polish them. Now it's time to get them ready to go visit with agents, to go visit with editors, or to be indie published. It needs to come out. You don't need to keep your stories to yourself, but they have to be the best they can be. You don't want your story to go out with an ugly face or a dirty chin. You want it to go out being the best it can possibly be, and that's what faith is going to be doing this for the next four months. And yeah, I'll probably chime in here and there, but she's got it going on. I'm just saying. Um, so let's see. Did I get through everything I was supposed to? I did. Oh, wait, I didn't. I need to tell you one other thing. Faye is not only an accomplished suspense author with the Amazing Grace series, she's also an accomplished romance author with the Ties That Bind series. In fact, I think I have a little picture of her latest one in the Ties That Bind series, Hope is the latest one. Oh gosh, that book. I just that's that story still stays with me. Her characters will so stay with you. They it, 
just forever. And that's one of the things we're going to be talking about tonight is character. And like I said, she knows what she's doing. Um, The Ties That Bind, she has the fourth and last book of that one coming out early next year. But don't despair, because I know those are her two main series. Amazing Grace is ending next week, and Ties That Bind ends next uh, next year, early in the year. But she's got a couple of more goodies at her fingertips. I'm getting so excited about those. I'm sure she'll share about them at some point. But tonight, we're going to pick her brain about all the tips and tricks of editing our own books. Welcome, Faye. Well, I can't even talk now. Welcome, Faye. I am so glad you are here with us. Thanks, Margie. I'm happy to be here. When you asked me about tonight's discussion, I know I threw you a curve, but I'm so glad you tossed the ball back in my court because I love to talk about editing. But when we're talking about editing, along with what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the elements and editing those elements to make our fiction even greater. And I'm and when I'm talking about that, I'm in my element and the pun is intended. <laughs> So, okay, so when it comes to editing, is serious question here, is it always better to have someone else do that job? Well, I could fib to you, but you're my publisher, so I can't get away with it. I, I We joke, I'm a royal pain when I miss something in my personal edits, and you mentioned coveting, and something that I love, that I always covet is different people to look over my writing and to show me what I missed because editors and, and writers don't always catch everything. There's too much in a story to do that. Right. So having someone give me edits, comments, and suggestions is always such, I'm so gratified and, and, and grateful for those things to come my way. Well, I'm with you there. I mean, editing is part of my job, but I, I have to tell you, I always feel better when there's another set of eyes looking over my shoulder. Um, When there's somebody else that's looking at the same place that I'm studying. If that isn't reasonable or possible though, and that happens sometimes, especially for an author that's just starting out, maybe doesn't have the money to to hire an editor or doesn't have the best bud that has the experience to edit. Where can an author begin to get their manuscript perfected and polished? Well, you always start with the with the little things, the proofreading. That would be grammar, sure. and that would be punctuation, and that would be spelling. That would be looking for the little red squiggly lines, and maybe running the spell check and the grammar check on if you're doing Word. I don't know how you do Mac. That might help you if you're really not in tune to those things. It'll It'll help you catch a few of them. Um, I know that I'm I'm bad for writing here, H-E-A-R, when I mean that he is over here, H-E-R-E. Oh. Um, <laughs> you, you miss those little things. Uh, if right. you can't hire an editor um, or a freelance editor, you need to know a little bit about the elements of writing, and that's what we're going to talk about. So proofing is, is great, and I... I believe that your traditional publishers will always have an editor there that are, that can catch those things and help you with it. But if you don't know the elements of writing, how can you write a story that's going to hook your reader? And that's what I think that we're going to talk about tonight and through the next, after this, the next three months after that. Right, right. I agree. Um, so 
what would you consider the primary those primary elements of the story what would what would you what would you because i'll be honest i i edit things and especially when i'm doing um, proposals i'll have people send me proposals i'll have people send me manuscripts and i can look through them i can actually step out of the what i like to read because you know me say i like romance I love suspense and mystery. I mean, those are my faves. But we have mm -hmm. authors that write all kinds of stuff. And not all of them are going to be absolutely my favorite genre, although they are my favorite books. They're not going to be my absolute favorite genre. And I get things all the time from people that are things like, you know, this does not float my boat, but wow, it's well written. More often than not, though, I get things that would float my boat that oh the 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 idea the premise of the story is amazing but the writing just doesn't grip me at all it doesn't do anything now i can't i can't pull that down into what it is about the different elements what would you say the elements are maybe by talking through this i'll be able to figure out what it is that i'm not seeing in their writing Oh, okay. Well, I teach a class on this, so I'll give a oh, real good. quick rundown. And I know that we're going to talk about these things over the next few months. But there's there's a couple of elements that I start with that I look at as an analogy of a, a vehicle and the things that go into a vehicle. So we'll start with plot. That's my first element that okay. I always bring up. Plot is the vehicle that moves the story forward. You have to know what's going on with your characters what's the plot of the story so the plot okay. is what's going to be driven forward pacing then is the next element and i refer to that as the accelerator or the decelerator sometimes mm -hmm. say you're writing a suspense novel you might have to speed up it sometimes but sometimes you might want to slow it down to make the tension long and drawn out so it depends upon the type of scene if you got a uh character like I do in Stalking Willow that's driving her car off of a, a cliff, things are going to speed up and you're going to want to see her get out. But everything, conflict is going to be there. We're going to talk about that in a second. It's going to be the speeds there, but things are getting in her way. So that is, that's pacing. But please notice that there are no brakes in our plot vehicle or our pacing. There are no brakes because that's backstory. <laughs> So it's so it's kind of like yeah yeah you don't want to do backstory so but it's kind of like I almost think of cruise control when you're talking about accelerator and decelerator you know you have the the accelerator for the cruise control and then you have the coast and so it's yes. not a break but it just kind of I like that idea okay I'm it getting gets, there let's it gets, go the coasting it's a breather I would say I would say yeah. that's kind of like yeah. you have your high tension and then you're still going to have conflict but you're going to coast a little bit and give your your reader time to breathe because we don't uh -huh. want them to breathe too long. We want them to always be trying to catch their breath, especially with suspense. Yeah. So then we, we have our pacing conflict is the fuel for the vehicle without okay. conflict, the vehicle or the plot, it really doesn't go anywhere. Your reader will feel as if you've gotten out of the car and you have to push the story <laughs> forward just to get somewhere. So you need that conflict in every scene, not just here and there, in every scene. Oh, okay. yes, I totally agree with you with that. Then in the final car analogy, we have the people who are driving the vehicle. Those are our characters. 
And with characters, I include a sub-element called description because really when description comes into a story, it has to come through your characters. Yeah. So that's in their point of view. And then that brings us to the elements that add to plot pacing, conflict, and character. And the first mm -hmm. of those is point of view. And when I say point of view, I always add the deeper the point of view, the better. Oh, amen. Preach it. I'm telling you what. <laughs> I, 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 I cannot say that enough either. Cause that, now, that's one element that I can see in some of the different proposed manuscripts that I've gotten, where the POV is so very shallow. It's Readers love to put on the skin of the primary character and, and wear it as they're experiencing the story. It gives them an opportunity to be part of the story. Yeah, and not sit on the outside. And that goes with the element that goes kind of hand in hand with deep point of view. Because when you master deep point of view, you get yeah. rid of showing. I mean, of you get telling. rid of telling. You don't get rid yeah, of showing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, are, I got what you were saying. Yeah, and there are signs for every author that if they'll pay attention, and they're going to, we'll go through that, that will tell the the writer that the reader is only sitting and listening. And as you said, they don't have the skin of the characters. They're listening to the story. They're not a part of it. And the last element we want to talk about is going to be dialogue and how stilted di dialogue will ruin and what makes dialogue stilted and what we need to look for as writers as we're preparing our manuscript. What are we doing that is making readers go, eh, I don't, this is, this is not believable or nah, this, I, they're feeding information to each other. So, so those yes. are the seven elements. You know, I can hear what you say about um, the dialogue. It's like the old 60s movies, wait, um, the beach movies. They would get yeah. halfway, three-fourths three the way through the movie, and they do a plot point review. And they just tell each other what's already happened. And that's kind of, you know, that's kind of what some of the dialogue reads like sometimes. It almost reads like a plot review or like the action is happening in the dialogue. I cannot wait to get through all of these, my goodness, our next four months or our next three months are going to be packed because this is good stuff. I, I have to tell you, you know, I, I read through it and it's almost like I'm on automatic pilot because I'm not, I'm not conscious of what I'm not liking, yet I can tell when things are not working, uh, mm -hmm. it, that it just, it just doesn't it just doesn't work right. Um, it doesn't, the concepts don't actually roll through my head, but wow, this, this list is impressive. Um, this type of concept editing isn't easy for an author to do for herself. Um, it really takes an objective eye, meaning what I mean is, you know, because I, I, I'm an author too, and Faye, you're an author too. And so those of y'all mm -hmm. that are listening, not only are we on this side of the publishing desk because we're editors, but we totally understand the other side of the desk. This is your baby. This is your creation. You have worked for sometimes even years on this, trying to perfect the story, trying to put the story down on paper in all of your spare time, which is probably not all that much. And you've, this baby just makes you glow. You're so excited. And yet your baby needs some, some cleaning up and, it's really hard for the author 
it's, I mean, it's, it's easy for a mom to go change a diaper. It's really hard for an author to step back and say, Ugh, this isn't work. Chink, cut, not going to use that. Oh, this doesn't work. In fact, I, one of my critique partners calls it killing your darlings. Not the whole baby, of course. You don't kill the, kill the whole story. But sometimes you have to cut stuff that you don't want to cut. And that takes an objective eye to be able to step outside of what you want and read the story as a reader would read it. Even more, even deeper, read it as an editor will read it. What works? What doesn't work? What goes places that you don't want it to go? Um, and so it's really hard to do this type of thing. But Okay. But I am looking at your list, Faye. Um, and... Oh, wait, I was going to tell you because, okay, authors, you need to expect, not only do you need to read this as a reader, but you need to expect to find mistakes because especially if this is your first baby, there are a lot of mistakes and you need to use this baby as training, kind of like what we do with our firstborn children. <laughs> we we use yeah. them as training, even though we don't do it on purpose, but it just kind of happens that way. My son will tell you that anyway, um, but you need to use that first manuscript as training and I, I can I can already hear some of you saying oh no 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 my my manuscript is so good I, I've been a teacher for forever or I've been reading for forever my manuscript is so good it's not going to need a lot yes it does and I say that with all humility because I was I was that person that said oh no I'm going to wow everybody with this manuscript and no it needed so much work it was so bad but it taught me so much. If nothing else, it taught me how to look for the mistakes and how to expect them to be there because, brother, they were there. I'm just saying that that manuscript was full of mistakes. I still, when I do a manuscript, I just finished a manuscript last week and or two weeks ago, and I was just shaking over releasing it because I'm still sure it's going to be full of mistakes just because I know me and I'm not as objective about it as I should be with my own stories. Um, so I guarantee you, if you don't look for the errors, there are readers that are going to find them and you don't want to hear about it on Amazon. You would much rather find them yourself. And so that's why it's really important to use an objective viewpoint and step out of what you want and what you like and read it from a reader's perspective. But, okay, in looking at your list, now going back to what I was saying, Faye, in looking at your list, um, easy being a very relative word here, I'm thinking that the easiest thing on your list would be dealing with the characters. Would I be right? I think so, because actually characters are built through the other elements, especially the deep point of view thing, that yeah. you cannot work in deep point of view and not get a sense of who your characters are and, and what they're supposed to be doing and how they're going to react to a situation. Um, but you can't have a story without characters. And, the, uh -huh. and when we build a story with unforgettable characters, it is actually carried out through all of the other elements that we, we talked about. All of these elements build upon one another. They link together, kind of like the scenes and the conflict. And as we build our story, all of mm -hmm. these things are a part of our story. And you can't you ha can't have a story unless you're Jonathan Livingston Siegel, who has a seagull as a character, without these <laughs> human beings being. There. Oh my gosh! Um, I remember that movie. 
I'm so old. So, <laughs> I actually well, we need we need characters, funny. whether they're whether they're pigs from Animal Farm or they're yeah. they're people that are being scared silly or they're people that are are in love with each other and having trouble getting together. We need those characters. Yes, I agree with you. We do. So okay, so let's see. Um, it's occurring to me, me that let the, me stop. Oh, okay, go I'm, ahead. I'm going to interrupt you because there, there's something that's very important. This is a little trick. If we're going to talk about characters, I'm going to pull in a point of view okay. trick here for, my, for, for our listeners. This is something that I learned quite by accident. And people don't realize this and readers don't realize there's a psychological thing to deep point of view and setting the point of view in a scene. If you are a writer, whether it's the first chapter of your book or every scene after you decide who your point of view character is. That point of view character, number one, has to be the character that has the most to win or to lose in that scene. Yeah. Then you have to set that scene by providing that point of view character with an action. Notice I said action, not a thought uh -huh. and not dialogue. Dialogue, when you start, is a talking head. A thought is a thought without a person. You give an action to that person. And what that does for your reader, and they don't even realize it unless you mess up, they know that that is your point of view character. So that if you've ever read a book and you've read down like half of a page and you've had to go back up and say, okay, whose point of view am I in? Who's, who, where are we yeah. in the story? point of view hasn't been set and the readers uh -huh. automatically latch onto that character so then what that does is you no longer have to say and this is very important to writers because they do it all the time he heard he saw uh -huh. he saw he felt he realized those are all telling words if you yeah. set your view you, your readers know that everything that's coming through that scene is from that point of view character, and he is realizing, thinking, and feeling without you needing to tell them that he's doing that. That's very important. Oh, and when you do that, that well, in. I'm sorry, what? I said I, I just I wanted to get that in. That's yes, okay. and, and I'm and I'm telling you, when you do that well, when you when you cement that point of view character like you're saying it makes the whole scene so rich and so easy and the other characters can talk back and forth and you can can tell the differences between the characters because you're so firmly in that main character's head you don't confuse him with anybody else that's, that's but I will say it. yes yeah but I will say the main character though and and I often identify the main character as the POVC, um, the point of view character, and point of view being the perspective, being who, like you said, who is living this scene, and it can be a different character for the different scenes. Um, a lot of, like, for instance, your romance stories, Faye, and my romance stories, too, for that matter, usually we have two main POV characters. We have mm -hmm. the her heroine, and we have the hero, um, and so in the story that I've just finished writing, I have my hero, he does a scene, and then the next scene I usually have from my heroine point of view, which doesn't always happen, but that's kind of the way it is from time to time. And 
that's that's who's living that scene. So that's what the POV C is. But the main character, that POV character, also gives you different challenges. Wouldn't you agree, Faye? Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, it, sometimes it, it helps to play around with the scene. You can write yeah. from the heroine's point of view and see if it plays out as emotional. Because what you're doing with your characters is actually you're grabbing them um, with emotion. And that emotion mm -hmm. is through the point of view. Um, so if it, if it doesn't work one way, turn it around, flip it around and put it, put the heroine's point of view in the hero's point of view. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, flipping around those POVs can totally change the story. I mean, it, it literally yeah. could totally change your scene and, and totally change the feel of the story. It might even change the outcome of your story. You never know what those characters will do when you start letting them have rule. I'm telling you, I'm just saying they, they take over, don't they? They do. I, <laughs> you, you know, I've had troubles with my characters. I've written you and said, uh, I'm going to do this. And I'm like, I think that works, but <laughs> let me see. They, they're not doing what I'm telling them to do. <laughs> yeah. <No. laughs> exactly. And, and you, brought up a, you brought up a very interesting point, too, because I think that some writers are not aware that there are um, genres and different genres have different point of views that we can share for instance a simple right. romance is hero and heroine only uh-huh you might get away with an extra point of view if you can prove it to the editor that that you need it um uh -huh. but you but those that hero and heroine in a romance their scenes are always the ones you're cutting to and you're building the conflict and you're working out their internal and their external conflict which is an arc and those characters have to have an arc our, our main characters always need an arc. If if you're uh -huh. writing, say, a romantic suspense, then you put a villain in there. Now you have I to ask yourself. I love that. that though. I love that part. I love putting the villain yeah. part in. <laughs> I love thinking like a villain. It lets me really get deep, and sometimes I scare myself. <laughs> yeah, I love but, it. But you have to also ask yourself: Does my does my villain need an arc? Because though villains should have something that makes a reader believe that they're redeemable, they do not always need to be redeemed. They can always right. end, end the story in the same way that they, are, that they started. But then you have your secondary characters. And Libby, my story Libby, and, and my uh -huh. story Cherise, she was a problem. Boy, she broke in and I thought... I thought this little mousy character had no personality, but she almost took over Sharice and I had to step back and I had to promise her her own story. And then oh, I was wow. able to get on with, with my story for Sharice. So you want to make sure that your secondary characters never overshadow your, your right. main heroes, hero and heroine. Um, another kind of character um, are characters that really have no purpose. You have to decide, and I know you've asked me in one of my books, can we combine these characters? And I've had to look at that. Sometimes uh -huh. you can combine your characters and get rid of one that's not necessary. Other times you just need to cut a character that's just standing there with nothing to do out of the story. Uh -huh. Then you have yes. somebody that's kind of important to the story. He's called a He or she is called a service character. For example, you can't go into a restaurant or have a restaurant scene usually without a waitress unless they're in a cafeteria line or something like that. So you have to have a waiter. 
However, sometimes like in a mystery story, those service characters can have a hidden point of view, like the butler did it. Yes. So he's a service character, but he could also, maybe the butler didn't do it, but we want to think the butler did it. And then we put, we put him in as a red herring. Well, and so you know, I would, I would say that we need to look yeah, at. I would say that another service character is like a voice of wisdom that yes. that's, that can be important in, in uh, all kinds of genres. Um, but yes. particularly with romance, anything with romance is that having that best friend or that motherly or fatherly figure that gives the voice of wisdom when they are going off the deep end. Um, mm -hmm. Those are important service characters. I, you say service. I, I'm assuming you mean just extraneous characters, but are you actually talking serious service like waitresses and stuff like that? I'm, when I say a service character, I'm talking about someone whose only purpose is there to fill a void where, like in a restaurant, where you need for it to be realistic, a service uh, character needs to be the waitress, or the waitress. It could be an elevator doorman. It could be just uh, someone, no, I get what you're saying now. driver. So okay, no, so then my character, character. I'm talking a secondary character. It really is an important yeah. character, though. I mean, I know we mm -hmm. have all kinds of secondary characters. We might have the next-door neighbor, the postman, somebody that finds the body. Yes, I'm always talking mystery and suspense. But yeah. it's really important in almost every genre to have somewhere in it a voice of wisdom that's going to to help that main character complete their character arc. Um, because yeah. they're they're going to need to complete the character arc. I want to go back real quick before you keep going, though, because I know you're going to talk to me about some other things. But I want to go back real quick to that villain, because, like I said, I really like the villain. Um, but <laughs> there is there is a a place in a character arc in a regular character arc. Um, oh gosh, what's his name? James Scott Bell, I think it is. Calls it the man in the mirror moment. And it's in the middle of the story. And I know that I've heard uh, Gone with the Wind as an example, um, that it's the middle of the story when the main character realizes that what they've been believing is a lie, realizes what the truth is, but still doesn't change. They come to face yeah. to face with it. They see themselves in the mirror, but they're not ready to change yet they're not ready to pursue that yet and in gone with the wind it was when she holds up uh i think it was radishes and says as god is my witness i'll never be hungry again um and she wasn't ready to change she was still full of pride she was still full of herself and so mm -hmm. i think that's where some villains villains can do two, one of two different things a villain can be like you said can be redeemed um, and mm -hmm. they do need to have, they need to show some redeemable quality somewhere and they can yeah. be redeemed. Um, but they can, they also, sometimes at the end of the book, they have that man in the mirror moment where they see the truth and they don't change. They decide yeah. not to change. And that, that can be just as rich a villain. I know for, for Christians, it can be sometimes rather disappointing, but you know, there's something about pe letting people make decisions. And in this case, when a when a when a really jerky turkey gets his, 
and decides not to be good and decides not to go the way that he needs to go and keeps holding on to what he wants, money or power or whatever it is, there's something really satisfying about seeing a jerky turkey get his. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, it is. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But I, also, think so. I think there's sometimes, though, that when it's satisfaction, when you see um, them get theirs in the form of redemption, because they don't know what hit them. When redemption hits right. them, it just blindsides them. I have a character like that. <laughs> yes, I know you do. I've read about her. <laughs> but, you know, and it's so, but it, that's that's the other side of the coin. When they are, when they are broken, I mean, mm-hmm. thoroughly broken. Oh my gosh, how cool that is to 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 watch that progress. But you know what you did, Faye? And I, now I haven't read Libby yet, so I don't know what you did with this particular character. And I'm not going to give anything away. But I don't know okay. what you did to this, with this particular character in, in Libby. But I'm thinking, if I remember correctly, she ended up not being a real, real sweetheart at the end of the book. But then in her book, the next book, and I'm not going to name that one either because I don't want to tell anything, but in the next book, you took her on this whole journey of redemption. And here she was, the catalyst, the antagonist of the book before, and yet in this secondary book, she was she was the main character, and her story was just beautiful. And I loved that she was redeemed. I mean, I love that she was redeemed through this. Am I am I saying that correctly? Am I getting all that right? You are. Yes, it is. it's the Ties That Bind series. And actually, all, every antagonist in, in that series um, has has another story. So oh, cool. I, I How to, cool is that? Give it away. Yeah, and, and, and I did it that way because it's the Ties That Bind. And I'm really excited about that last story because the Ties That Bind are really going to get home. And it's all because of the 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 first antagonist her character arc throughout all four stories i'm excited she was the first okay can we name that can we name that book her name is coming in yes she's coming in february or march i can't remember but yes her name is delilah and you are busy working on her story and this character is a rich character she is so when i say rich i'm not talking wealthy i'm talking just so fleshed out this is this is a real person i mean she she has been four books in the making now so i can't wait yeah. to read delilah would you hurry up i'm, I'm trying <laughs> she's getting in a lot of trouble and she's a lot of fun to get into a lot of trouble <laughs> i bet i bet so okay so we were talking about the point of view and you we were talking about the when the writer is um is thinking characterizations and and such like we were talking about i'm sorry we were talking about like romantic suspense we'll write um a heroine we'll write a hero and we'll write the villain and i got off track at that point but we were also talking about there are other genres when are there Mm -hmm. other points of view um when you write contemporary fiction there are other points Uh of view um you know that i have one that i've been working on for 40 years and you've offered edits on it and um, I've got a lot of points like of view that. in that. I don't, I, but I don't recommend it for every writer. I really don't. No, and but I will tell you that that story is that just goes beyond contemporary fiction to me. It is like a saga. I that story is so good. I I the the the, the characters have just stayed with me. When did I read that? What five six months ago? 
and yeah, uh, the characters have still, yes, the characters have still stayed with me. I'm looking forward to that. That one is Storms and Serenity, isn't that right? Yes, the book of it's, my it's been the book of my writing career. You talk about learning all of these elements. That that is yeah. the book I learned all of these elements on. Well, it is coming out next year. Yay. So y'all be watching for Storms and Serenity. Now, I so, like here what you had mentioned to me something about the psyches of a character. Would you would you explain those to me? Oh. <laughs> I have to tell you, I love characters, and I, I am a geek when it comes to characters. Do you know, I spent one, one birthday, I spent watching, okay, you're going to laugh at me here, all of the Marvel Avenger movies that were out at the time. I think there were four mm -hmm. of them. I watched them in a marathon just so that I could analyze all the different characters. That was just so much fun to me. I had this movie marathon. My husband was like laughing at me. He thought it was hysterical. But I, I study characters and they're you know in the uh, Myers-Briggs psychological evaluations there are 16 different character types and I kind of break those down into some are more of a female type especially for writing now I'm just talking writing I'm not talking real people but some are more female and some are more male and so like for instance I have eight primary um, character archetypes that I use for heroines and I'll I'll just tell you really quick um, I have the boss lady and that she is just like she sounds she's totally in control she knows her mind she has a vision um, and she has no problem ordering people around to accomplish her goals and she's not necessarily kind about it but she's not necessarily ugly either she just has a vision and a plan and she takes care of that plan and then I have an analyzer um, this gal is like an expert. She's an expert in her field. She might be a chemist. She might be a professor. She might be a teacher, but probably not. Um, she is more the librarian type. She's going to stick by herself. She will unearth things that others will miss because she's committed to the task. Um, and she's usually happy to work alone. She's not usually a real social butterfly. Then we have the damsel, usually in distress. She doesn't always need rescuing, but she's going to kind of always think she needs rescuing, though she has an inner strength that she seldom shows. Um, she can also be very flighty. She can be very artistic, but she doesn't like conflict, and she will rarely stand. She will rarely take a stand on something. Um, the fourth one is the mommy. Now, this is where your teacher comes in. Most of the time, a teacher is kind of a mommy, a nurturer, a nurse. She's everyone's caretaker. She is happy to be in the background. She will encourage. She will coddle you when you need it. Or she will give you a swift kick in the right direction when you need that, too. Um, the fifth one is the meddler. She is a supreme manipulator. She always has a personal agenda for everything. Whatever happens, she's looking on how it's gonna, how she's gonna take advantage of it, and she'll use any means to achieve her goals. She's not above uh, lying, cheating, stealing, whatever. Med I love working with meddlers as uh, heroines because there's so much opportunity for them to be redeemed. There's so much redemptive qualities about them. Um, then we have the artist. The artist is uninhibited and spontaneous. She's like a free spirit. She's ready to jump into the next adventure with anyone that's willing to join her, but she's also confident enough in who she is to go alone. She is in it for the experience, 
um, and she's usually a life lover. She loves life. She loves people. She is, she is also going to be a, a butterfly, but she's, like I said, confident enough that she doesn't have to be around people. Miss Congeniality, however, is not generally confident enough to not be around people. She needs to be around people. She's enthusiastic. She's sociable. She's smiling. She's kind. She's friendly. She's a consummate hostess. She's the cheerleader in everyone's corner. Um, she doesn't usually have more purpose to her actions than just to encourage and please other people, but she does need to please other people. And so she's known to act a certain way or or like certain things in order to please the people that she's with, in order to become the person that she's that her significant other or her friend or her mom all expect her to be. Um, she's a fun character to have as a main character, too. And then we have the Crusader, and the Crusader is ready to fight. She is ready, not necessarily with this, but she's ready to battle for whatever cause comes across. The, the Crusader is the person that could be a politician. She's also the person that is prepared to go down fighting. Her causes resonate deep. Um, they are the core of her values, and she's unlikely to turn her back on any cause unless it can be proven as false or unless it can be proven as evil. Um, those would be a reason for her to turn her back on their causes. But sometimes even in those cases, she's not going to turn her back. Um, it's, like I said, it's a game for me to analyze, but um, I can always, the reason that I like having characters, especially when I'm writing, I plan my characters out beforehand and I figure out what kind of personality trait they're going to have because then I can figure out how they're going to react to a given circumstance. For instance, let's say there's a fire. Um, let's say a house is on fire. Each of the different personality types are going to have a different role in this particular fire. Um, the damsel, uh, you guessed it, she's going to be trapped, probably with a pet or a child. And like I said, she has the strength to survive. She has the strength to help. She has the strength to do it, but she doesn't think she does. And so she's going to need somebody to help her. And that would probably be the mommy. Mommy is going to be the supergirl. Mommy's going to rush in to help. Um, the crusader might even join mommy uh, because she's going to definitely go in and try and help because she likes to right wrongs and do causes. But she's probably also making a plan on talking to the city council about the safety of housing in the district when everything's said and done. An artist um, might very well go with her. Did I call her an artist? I think I called her. Yeah, I did. The uninhibited, spontaneous one. Because she's not really afraid of anything. And she might go, go in with her. Frankly, she'd probably get a thrill out of it. But she also could be just as likely sitting outside and watching the flames and looking at the pretty sparks in the sky. Uh, the boss lady is going to be organizing the effort to put out the fire. She's got other mommies and other artists and other damsels all manning hoses, and she has organized them, and they're spraying hoses. She's gotten somebody to call 911, and an ambulance is on the way, and probably the police, just to see who might have started this fire. Miss Congeniality will, of course, be helping, too. 
because she's going to put on whatever mask is needed for the time to be whatever she needs to be to please people. And so she's going to put on the mask of a brave firefighter. She'll likely open her home, too, for anybody that's displaced by the fire. She might serve lemonade to the people that are fighting the fire after everything's said and done. And I bet she'll pull all the blankets out of her out of her attic to try and warm up people as they've gotten wet, as they've tried to, to water down this fire. The analyzer, the analyzer is going to glance at all this excitement through her window. She's going to make sure that she's backed up her computer files to an off-site location just in case the fire spreads. Then she's going to pet her dog and go back to work. And then you have the meddler. And the meddler will probably be going from group to group to group, storing up, stirring up gossip about what possible way the fire might have started. Uh, she'll have a purpose for the stirring up that she's doing. She might even have a set of matches because she might even have been the one to do this. It's just the way she is. That I was, I really was glad for you to sh to share that because that shows a lot of deep thought, and I think it's fantastic. I think that it was more than I could bring to the to the listeners tonight. But I'm going to tell you how I do it. I sit down okay, and I write. Me. <laughs> I sit down and I write. I don't, I don't. I don't even analyze them when I'm writing. I get to know them as I build the story or my stories. And uh -huh. where I think is like in Sharice, she's a cross between your miscongeniality and an analyzer. Whereas her pal Libby is clearly the damsel in distress. She is yes, always yes. got the matchmakers who get her into trouble. Hope is my artist. And she's also a damsel in distress role, because, though it's not even her fault. And then there's Delilah. She is clearly the bossy lady. So she when is. you hear those, I was like, wow, she nailed that. And we really need to bring that across to the listeners because there are types of writing. And you may not know that you're doing it, but when you pull these personalities out, you're really, you're really bringing across a certain character type you might cross them but they're there and whereas you give a lot of thought to it I kind of just go my way and write it <laughs> somehow it works <laughs> that's fun um, that's fun I gotta tell you though I, Faye we have barely scratched the surface but yeah. we're almost out of time <laughs> I just can't even <laughs> believe it we've got we're almost out of time so tell me more about um I mean, because we're going to be talking about this again next month. We're going to be talking the elements of fiction again. We're going to go deeper. Um, we've covered character. We didn't quite cover character, but we went, you came really close to covering character. But we're going to be covering the the other seven of uh, the other six elements that you talked about. And I cannot wait to get into those um, in the next form in the next three months. But I got to tell you, in speaking of your characters. Your brand new book, Frozen Mo Frozen Notes. You have you uh -huh. mentioned your brand new book, and you have some deep characters. You have you have lyric, and I'm thinking I may be wrong, but I'm thinking lyric would be a damsel, uh, even yes. though she does show that inner strength. And I'm I'm really strong. That's really cool. Now, what about Balaam? Where would you put? I mean, obviously we didn't talk about the male characters, but. What kind of personality trait would you put him in? Balaam is definitely the artist. 
and uh-huh. because he is he after all is an ex rock star um yeah he's lyrics hero but he's the damsel and she's the damsel in distress because of everything that Balaam actually his actions have ended up and her actions have caused and Balaam is a think on your feet go get him but I mean he does it with flair everything he does yes. is with flair I think and Balaam he um he has a lot to do with with Lyric's character and how she she at first is like a closed rosebud and then she opens up and she becomes like this beautiful flower before him but it's because oh. of the way he because of his his personality he's so much different than what she's used to and she's I missed him for 9 picture. years so. I love yes. that picture that you drew. She's a closed rosebud. I love that. That is exactly what she's like. And I love the story. You guys, uh, those you. of you that are listening, this story releases next week. But don't forget, you can get it right now, your own ebook, um, pre ordered. And you can get it at 40% off price. Now, you will not get it right now, obviously, but the ebook will come to you before it goes to anyone anywhere else. Um, so it's worth jumping on. It's available at, at Amazon. It's Frozen Notes. I am so glad you joined us tonight, Faye. Margie, I'm always happy to be here. I could talk up a storm, as you could tell. <laughs> we have fun, and, don't we? And I, I, wanted, I want to take time for a serious note here. Please, people... Um, I know that your prayer, we have prayer warriors. Please be praying for the people in Texas and Louisiana for what they've gone through, what they're going to be going through. And right now there's people in the path of a, of a deadly storm that's hitting some islands. Now it's heading for Florida and please be in prayer for them. And, and I hope Margie doesn't mind, but I've been doing a lot of praying over the last few months and God got a hold of me. And I want to announce that every cell of my books, um, the royalties that I receive from every book through December 31st of this year, I am sending those proceeds, 100% of my royalties to Samaritan's Purse, uh, their relief fund specifically. So if you want to, if you want to um, aid in something and 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 get something while you're doing it, buy one of my novels. But I that's that is my intention. The Lord has really spoken to my heart. Those people need so much. And oh, and I think Faye, even a little wonderful. bit goes You are wonderful. I so appreciate you doing this. And absolutely, we need to, if, if nothing else, we need to be praying for the people in South Texas, for the people in Louisiana. And, and Faye, we're praying for you, too. I, y'all may not know, mm-hmm. Faye lives on the coast of Florida, um, right there, hopefully not where Irma's Irma's pointing right now. She's kind of pointing toward the south coast, and Faye's on a different coast. But we need to be praying for Faye too, because she's in in the midst of it, um, and and the people that are right now being buffeted by by Irma. That is a beast of a storm. Yes, I'm so glad you and were here. Oh, definitely well, we will. I'm so you. glad you were here. And we will be meeting with Faye again. Um, this is going to be on October 3rd at 7 p.m. Central. And it'll be our next show on the Along Comes a Network. Along Comes a Writer Network. I wrote that wrong. Wrong. Along. Okay, I can't talk. Along Comes a Writer Network. 7 p.m. Central, October 3rd. Look for Publishing Lane again. You can write to us, email 
rightintegrity.com is our website and there's a connect tab on the website. It's Right Integrity, W-R-I-T-E, integrity.com. We certainly hope to hear from you. Don't forget to sign up for the Sweet Stakes, and we will talk to you next month. We'll see you. Bye-bye. <laughs> this has been Publishing Lane with your host, Margie Lane Klubine, Executive Director of Right Integrity Press. If you'd like to learn more about Margie and her publishing company, visit rightintegrity.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-I-N-T-E-G-R-I-T-Y dot com.